Would you please take your Bibles out and turn in them to Exodus chapter 20? You're welcome, as always, to follow along in the bulletin with the the passage of the sermon that's printed there, although we are going to look at a couple other scriptures today as well, and so you might want to have your actual bulletin, or your Bible rather, handy so you can look at those with us. We're continuing to go through the Ten Commandments one by one. Today we're looking at the Fifth Commandment, to honor our father and our mother. As we've gone through each of these commandments, we've said this over and over, we, we go to the Ten Commandments and we read them by faith. And even as the Lord himself speaks, the preface to the Ten Commandments in chapter 20, verse 2, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. He tells them that he is the Lord who has redeemed his people that he has already brought them out of slavery, redeeming them by the blood of the Lamb. And he has called them now and brought them to himself so that they are now in fellowship with the Lord here at Sinai and God is beginning to teach them to deliver to them this body of instruction that they might know, how do we walk with the Lord? How can we live in fellowship with him? What does it mean to walk with the Lord who has redeemed us, to, to not be those who are in slavery in Egypt, and who live like Egyptians, but what does it mean to live as those who now are with the Lord and walking with him? So even from the beginning, we we go into this knowing we don't go to the Ten Commandments, we don't go to the law in order to earn our salvation or to impress God by our obedience. We go there in order to, to express our salvation. As those who have been redeemed, as those who have been brought out of the slavery of sin and now brought out by the blood of the Lamb into fellowship with God, now, how are we to walk? What are our lives like now that, that we live in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ? And so each of these commandments is, is meant to be approached by faith. Each of these commandments, they lead us to Christ. We can't obey them without Christ. We need his grace. We need the power of his spirit. Even perhaps especially for the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother, this one that that speaks so personally to us, that speaks right into the lives of our families, the way we interact and behave with those whom we know the best, who perhaps we are the closest to. And the Lord speaks his will to us in this. Let me ask, let's stand together. We're going to read God's word together. Would you join me in standing? I'm going to read Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 1 through verse 21. Hear the word of the Lord. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. 
For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and they trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Heavenly Father, this is your perfect word that you have given in your faithfulness to your people to teach us your ways, to reveal to us your character, to instruct us in how we might walk with you and before you. So we pray that you would open the eyes of our hearts, that you would cause us by the power of your spirit to see your word and to love it, to embrace it, to treasure it, and to practice it, to live it. We pray that you will do these things, Lord, by the power of your spirit that's at work within your people, teaching us and guiding us and directing us. For it's in the name of Christ our Savior we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, on these very, very hot days, one of my kids' favorite activities to do is to go sometime afternoon or after dinner to go to the freezer and get out some popsicles. And they always take them out to the front porch by rule. Uh, Sometimes they even have to take off their shirts because they eat these popsicles with great abandon and they make a fantastic mess of themselves in the process. And, and sometimes, perhaps for the oldest, it's, you know, their tongue is changing colors, which they love. And for the littlest, his whole body is changing colors because he gets it everywhere. And when we point out to them what a, a great mess they are making, they love nothing more than to run inside to the bathroom and look at the mirror. Because without the mirror, they can't fully appreciate the, the work that they have done and the, the, the piece of artwork that they have created. And so they have to go and they, they stick out their tongue in the mirror and they just look and they laugh. They just laugh to see what a mess they are. Well, when we read the Word of God, it is often compared to a mirror. Because it is only in a mirror that we can begin to see our character. Without it, we, we can't fully appreciate sometimes the mess that we have made of our lives, of ourselves. And so we need to have a mirror that we can look in to see our reflection, to, to fully understand the scope of what has happened. And the Word of God is that mirror. Even as we read the Ten Commandments, perhaps we've simply been unaware, perhaps we've never taken to heart the ways that we have treated others with respect or with a lack of respect, shown honor or shown dishonor. And we come to the Ten Commandments and we reach this fifth commandment that tells us and instructs us to honor our father and our mother. 
This is the will of God for his children. And, and that shows us, helps us to see our own hearts. Now that, that analogy breaks down in one point because my children absolutely delight in being a mess. Whereas the function of the word of God is to humble us. To humble us, to, to help us to see the beauty and the love and the mercy and the grace of our Savior who, who loved us and died for us while we were yet sinners. That he did not wait until we could get our, our act together or clean ourselves up and make ourselves presentable. But even when we were at the lowest of the low, he loved us. He gave himself for us. And so one of the functions of God's word is, is to show us our sin to humble us in our sin, to make us to know the truth and the reality of, of who we are. And yet the law has another function as well. It doesn't simply show us our sin and then leave us to despair. Rather, it takes us and it leads us to Christ. It takes us by the hand and it walks us to our Savior and it shows us that, yes, in yourself, you are sinful and a mess. But Jesus is a great Savior for sinners. He's a great savior for those who, who have not honored their father and their mother as they ought. And so we approach this commandment and every commandment with those two thoughts in mind. Lord, show us our sin. Help us to see us ourselves honestly and sincerely and clearly for who we are. But Lord, help us to delight in Christ. We're humbled in ourselves. We delight even more in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's three things. I want us to see in the fifth commandment to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Here's three things. I want us to see what the fifth commandment means in our families. Then, second, what the fifth commandment means beyond our families. And then, finally, to be explicit in bringing in the gospel into our families. So the fifth commandment in our families, the fifth commandment beyond our families, and then the gospel in the fifth commandment. So the fifth commandment in our family is that the obvious application that probably comes first to mind when we read this commandment is simply on the surface, that we are to honor our father and our mother. For many of us, our, our thoughts go first to kids and to, the, to children. And there is a very clear application to kids in this commandment, that children are to honor and to obey their parents. Now, it's not just for kids. This commandment is for everybody, that each of us is being instructed in this command to honor our parents. But let's think for a moment about kids. So kids, this commandment is a commandment that speaks very clearly to you, that the Lord is speaking to you, and I, and I want you to hear this, that the Lord loves you very dearly, and he cares about you very much. He cares about the way that you're growing in your spiritual growth and your spiritual maturity. And one of the things that the Lord says to you is that you are to honor and to obey your parents. Now, this is one of the Ten Commandments, that we're to honor our parents. If we took the entire law of the Old Testament, we just wanted to summarize it and pick out some of the most important points and say ten of them, we could have the Ten Commandments and say, these are some of the highlights. These are the things God cares most about. These are the most important ten things that God has to say to his people. That's why they are designated as, as the ten words that God gives them. That's why these are the commandments that he inscribes 
on these tablets of stone to give them. And among those ten very most important things, one of the things he says is to kids, they are to honor and to obey their parents. Is that kind of surprising? Is that kind of striking? Of all the important things that God could have to say, of all the very important rules and commandments that he could give to his people, one of the most important is that we should honor our parents. I think it's striking, even, even for me today as a grown-up, I think it's striking to look around the world to say this is, you know, if we asked people on the street, what are the most important rules that a, a person should follow? I don't imagine this one would be very high on the list. Right? We live in a society that says, as long as you're not actively hurting somebody else, well, we live and let live. You do what you're going to do, you know? You should uh, behave when you're in the public sphere, but when you're in the privacy of your own home, you can do what you want. But that's not how God speaks to us. God says to us that he cares very deeply about us growing in our obedience, learning to reflect the image of Christ. And one of the ways that we do that is in our families. And it's in learning how to honor, and for children, that includes to obey our parents. Honoring your parents and for children to obey your parents is a very weighty thing. In fact, that's what the word means. In the fifth commandment here, when it says honor your father and your mother, that honor, that word honor, that means weightiness or heaviness. Right? In fact, we actually have a very similar expression in English. When we talk about something that's very important, we say this is something that you should not take lightly. Well, that's the opposite, because to take something lightly is to not give it any importance, to treat it as though it had no significance for us. That, that doesn't matter to us, that has nothing to do with us, is to take it lightly. What it says here is that you are to take your parents heavily, with great weight. You're to, to recognize the, the weight and the significance and, and to treat them as such. The fifth commandment says we honor our parents by giving them the respect and the honor they deserve. We take them heavily. Now, taking your parents heavily for children, that means we are to obey. This is one of those commands that that the older we get, it begins to look a little bit different because we relate to our parents differently when we are adults than we do when we are children. For children, it simply means, straightforwardly, that we're to obey our parents. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. And kids, if you've got your Bibles with you at church, would you take them and find the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 1. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says something in verse 1, and then in verse 2, he quotes the fifth commandment. So we know he's thinking about how this commandment applies to kids in his day, and he says, Ephesians 6, 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And so here Paul is teaching, and he says specifically to children that they are to obey their parents. Now, most kids know that obeying your parents is right, but we also know something else. It's not always easy. And I can tell you that even when you're a grown-up, Obeying this command to honor your parents is still not always easy. Sometimes it even gets harder. But that's what Paul says, that, that children are to obey their parents. And because it's difficult, we read in this verse that he gives three helps 
to kids. Three helpful things he says. How can you obey your parents? Well, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. But here's three helps that Paul gives. He says three things. First, he says, for this is right. right? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I think what he is saying there is he's simply saying, because that's what the Bible says. Because he says, this is right. And then he quotes it. He says, see, look at the Old Testament. Honor your father and your mother. And so we're supposed to hear that and say, yes, I know obeying my parents can be hard. But remember that that's what the Bible says. That God cares very deeply about it. He wrote it in the Ten Commandments. And that's to encourage us and to help us. To say, this is something that is very weighty, that God cares a lot about. Now there's a second help. He also says, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. And that means that when you obey your parents, that you're not just obeying your parents, you're also obeying God. It means when you do that, your obedience is very pleasing to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who gave the command. And he's the one who says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. That means that for children, a large part of what it means for them to, to serve the Lord, to obey the Lord, to learn how to, to grow in Christ, is tied up in learning how to obey your parents. Because God loves you very much. And because he loves you, he's put you in a family that teaches you about Jesus, brings you here to church, that you might continue to learn about him, that is raising you in the nurture of the Lord. And God says, that's a gift of parents to you. Now your gift to them is that you are to obey. And that Jesus is very pleased when you do. Now, the third help is maybe even the best because he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. I think God knows children very well. And he knows that it's easier for them to obey when there's a reward that is promised at the end. And so he says that very thing, that there is a reward. This is the first commandment that has a promise attached to it. Actually, what's interesting is it has two. When we read it in the book of Exodus, it says, Honor your father and your mother, uh, that you may live long in the land that your God is giving you. When we read it in Deuteronomy, the Ten Commandments appear again in Deuteronomy. They're, they're nearly identical, but there's a few little changes, and one of them is the promise Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you. See, Exodus says live long. Deuteronomy says go well. Ephesians says you get both. You don't have to pick your reward. You get both. And so Paul says that it may go well with you and that you may have long life in the land. In other words, God is saying there are blessings for those who obey their parents. There's rewards for keeping this commandment. There is a promise that you get. And I think this shows us something. That God loves kids. That he knows them. He knows what they're like. In fact, do you remember there is the time in the Gospels when people were bringing their kids to Jesus? And the disciples got really upset about that. And they were kind of stressed out because they thought, listen, Jesus is very important. I'm sure Jesus has more important things to do than to be hanging out with the kids. He's probably got important grown-ups that he needs to go deal with. And so the disciples began to send people away and said, don't bother Jesus with kids. And do you remember what Jesus said? He said, no, let the little children come to me. Jesus loved the children. 
He came for the children. He wanted to love and to serve and to bless the children. And he loves kids. And because he loves kids, he gives a reward for the commandment that speaks to them. Children, obey your parents. The Bible says to do it. It's pleasing to Jesus when you do it. And it's the first command with a promise. Now, we also recognize that this commandment is not just for kids. It's not just for kids, is it? It's a commandment for, for all of us, even us, those of us who, who may have kids. We still are kids. As long as our parents are still living, we are still their children, and we are still bound by this instruction as well. And so it's a command, particularly if your parents, do your kids see you modeling this command? Do they see you modeling what it means to honor others in your full range of relationships? This is a command that, if you're a parent, you know this, that we need to learn. It doesn't come pre-installed when children are born. They have to learn what it means to honor and to respect and to obey their parents. And for the most part, kids learn by observing. From their very babyhood, they can learn, not always by hearing, but they learn very well by observing. They, they do what they see. In fact, yesterday I was at a park and I saw some, some parents going for a bike ride with what looked like maybe a three-year-old. And the three-year-old was having a bit of a tantrum because he did not want to wear his bike helmet. And his, his parents were trying to convince him to wear it and he, he would not do it. Well, I couldn't help but notice that the parents were not wearing their bike helmets either. No doubt if they had begun to model how fun it is to wear a bike helmet and how fun it is to not have closed head injuries, the child would have picked up on that and said, oh, I want to wear a helmet too. Well, well that relates to all of life, doesn't it? Parents learn very quickly that if we do one thing and we say something different, the kids will do what we do more than what we say. We as grown-ups need to, to model this, and we need to obey. Indeed, it looks different over time, doesn't it, as we grow up and as we get older? Learning to honor. See, the fifth commandment, it doesn't say, in the fifth commandment, it doesn't say obey, it says honor. And that is something we do our entire life long. When you're a child, it looks like obedience. It's fairly black and white. You are to obey your parents and do what they say. But even as you become a teenager, it begins to change a little bit. But as a teenager, you begin to have a little bit more independence. You're given more responsibilities. And with those, in, those responsibilities and that independence, it, it begins to change what it looks like for you to honor your parents. It means you are to be faithful with those responsibilities. You should not make them regret giving you that independence. It's not always a, a strict... Uh, obedience, it's certainly not disobedience, but there's more room for discussion, isn't there? Because you're becoming more of an adult. And as a teenager, you honor your parents by talking to them, by listening to them, by praying for them. For those of us who are, are more solidly in the category of grown-ups, it's a commandment for us, too, to continue to honor our parents, to honor them in the way that we speak to them, to honor them in the frequency with which we speak to them, to honor them in the way that we speak about them to others, in the way that we pray for them. Proverbs 23:22 speaks exactly to this. It says, Listen to your father who gave you life, 
and do not despise your mother when she is old. That, that's maybe the next step, and some of us are getting there to that stage in life where, where the, re, the responsibilities begin to shift. And, and now as we get older, we need to care more for our parents. We need to take care of them as they get older. And that is a huge testing ground for how well we do honoring our parents as we begin to care for them. This is a commandment that speaks to all of us, regardless of how old we are, in our families to honor and for children to obey their parents. Now, I also want to take this a little bit broader and talk about the fifth commandment outside the home. Because with every one of the commandments, we can talk about the narrow sense of what it means, and we can also talk about the broad sense, that there is a broader application than what lies maybe on the surface. We saw this uh, in particular with the third commandment that you should not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We said the, the immediate sort of narrow application is that you don't blaspheme, right? You don't literally take his name in vain. But it's also a commandment that speaks to the entire way that we use our speech and requires us to have purity in our speech. There's a broader application. And so it is with this one. In fact, if you read our larger catechism, question number 124 asks the question, who are meant by father and mother in this commandment? We think that that should be obvious, but the commandment is drawing us towards this broader application to say, what else does it mean to obey this command? It's broader than just our families. Here's the answer. By father and mother in the fifth commandment are meant not only natural parents, but all superiors in age and gifts, and especially such as by God's ordinance are over us in place of authority, whether in family, church, or commonwealth. So it says this commandment to honor your father and mother, it speaks beyond your actual family and your natural father and mother to saying now that you are to show honor to all those who God has placed over you in a place of authority. And he, it lists three uh, three circles or spheres in which we are to do that in the family, also the church, and also society. We are to honor all those who are in authority. Now, we know that that is right. We know that's right because the Bible all throughout speaks the same thing, that we are to honor those that the Lord has placed in positions of authority, whether it's in the family, that is our parents, whether it's in the church, that is, elders and pastors, or whether it is in society, our president, senators, governors, mayors, those in positions of authority, even in the commonwealth or our society, just the nation, the country, the state, the city in which we live. We see that other places. Romans 13 is very important. Romans 13 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. And it, it ends, I think this is verse 7, pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor whom honor is owed. Here Romans 13 is talking to us about 
civil authorities, those in society who have been placed in positions of authority and saying, give honor and respect to whom it is owed. 1 Peter 2, very similar, says, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil. And it concludes, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Throughout the Bible, we see this broad application that we are to honor those who God has placed in positions of authority over us, including those in society in the commonwealth. Now, I want to make one very specific application that I feel is relevant to our day and age. If the command requires that we honor our superiors, giving honor to whom honor is due, honoring the emperor, as all these texts have said, all of this applies then to the way that we speak about our president. I spend probably just enough time online and in social media to know that our president is regularly mocked, made fun of, insulted, degraded. I know that we live in a society that has very little capacity for civil discourse, that we're not able to speak respectfully, it seems, of those with whom we disagree and often just default to mocking. So we need to hear this exhortation. Now, I will add that this is not a a commandment that just became true over the last eight months. There are some who desperately needed to hear this the eight years prior, or the eight years prior to that, or the eight years prior to that, but we're looking at it today, and we need to hear that this is a commandment that speaks to us today. That doesn't mean that we have to agree with everything our president does or says or tweets or stands for. I believe the Bible calls us to something far more revolutionary than that. It calls us, rather, to treat him with honor and respect regardless of whether we agree with him. It means we're to speak of him in a respectful way, to show honor towards him. And, and remember, when, listen, P- Peter wrote 1 Peter 2, Paul wrote Romans 13, teaching us to honor those that God has put in authority over us And they knew what they were talking about because they lived in a day, most likely the emperors that they were under were far worse than anything we will live under in this country. We can't simply say, well, well, they didn't know what it's like today. Yes, they did, and far more. And yet the word of the Lord that they delivered is that we are to honor those to whom honor is due, whom the Lord has put in positions of authority. Think of 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Here we have a story of, of Saul and David. And David is on the run because Saul is king and Saul wants to kill him. And David's in a, a particularly interesting position because he has actually been anointed as king. He knows that he is the Lord's choice to be the king of Israel. And, and so that could potentially we know that that could puff him up a little bit. And the actual king is trying to kill him. And there's this incident here in chapter 24 where David is hiding in a cave and Saul comes into the cave. And David and his men have this opportunity to just spring on Saul. Saul is trying to kill him. They have the, he has been delivered into their hands. They could kill him. 
But David instead cuts off the corner of Saul's robe. It starts at the end of verse 4 in this chapter. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Look at verse 5. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Afterward, David also arose and he went out of the cave and he called for Saul, My Lord the King. When Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and he paid homage. And David said to Saul, Why do you listen to the words of men who say, Behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he, against my Lord, rather, for he is the Lord's anointed. And, and he will go on, but I'll stop there. Here's David living under a bad king knowing that he has in fact been anointed to replace him, and yet given the opportunity to do harm, he, he almost does, and he says, my heart struck me. How could I put out my hand against the Lord's anointed? He recognizes that Saul is in authority only because the Lord has put him there. And he does not have the right then to take justice into his own hands and, and harm the one who the Lord has put in the position of honor over him. In fact, a, a few verses later, um, David is going to speak to Saul and he refers to him as my father. It's the broad use of the fifth commandment that he is to honor this father. Now, this is the point where we absolutely have to bring in the reality of the gospel because even as we talk about this, there will be many who simply want to respond and say, you're telling me to honor people and you're telling me to respect people and they don't deserve it. That's the natural response that we all go to. They simply don't deserve it. The commandment calls us to give honor, to give respect, to give reverence. They don't deserve it, but we must, at this point, remember Jesus. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Instead, he loved us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Can you imagine Jesus speaking to the Father, talking about the plan of salvation, and Jesus at some point saying, yeah, but they don't deserve it. Look at them. Look at these, this mess of the people that you've called me to go and to, to give my life for. They don't deserve it. Psalm 103, he does not deal with us as our sins deserve. That's the whole good news of the gospel is that God does not treat us as our sins deserve. We deserve nothing but condemnation. We deserve wrath. We deserve the fury of God's anger. And yet through the goodness of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're given mercy. We're given love. Paul writes about this very specifically in Titus chapter 3, verse 1, where he says, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. He's talking about the very thing here. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, 
to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Now, he goes on to explain why that is possible. Verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. See, what he says here is exactly what we need to hear. He says, remind them to be submissive to authorities. Why? Because God has loved us in Christ, and he did not treat us as our sins deserve. And therefore, we are now free and called at the same time to treat others in a way that perhaps they do not deserve, but in a way that is reflective of the way that God has treated us in Christ, in a way that will lift them up, in a way that will encourage them and give honor to them, give respect to them. He says, you do this because you remember that you yourselves deserved condemnation. But when the mercy and the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. And so we no longer operate on this system of giving people what they deserve. That, that's simply not how we are to live. We don't, we don't abide by that system of giving what is deserved. Rather, we, like God, are to give more than is deserved. In mercy and in grace to give honor to those whom it is due, and it is due by position, not by earning or by character. That's a type of what I call gospel logic that drives our obedience. And so it speaks to children, and it says, kids, you are to honor and you're to obey your parents because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes they will be wrong. And you are to honor them. Grown-ups, we too are to honor our parents, even when it's hard, because of the grace that God has so, so freely showed us in, in Jesus, that freely we have received, freely we are to give. And for all of us, we are to honor the authorities that are over us in every sphere of life, even when it is hard, even when they do not deserve honor. We do it because our lives have become a reflection of the overwhelming, undeserved grace of God, which he gave to us when we didn't deserve it. And so now, having been saved by grace, we live by grace. Because when you've experienced the grace of God in Christ, it changes everything. It changes everything. It changes our relationships. It changes the way we treat people because it has taken us off the system of giving what is deserved and putting us into a new kingdom now where we are to give grace, where God can say to us, freely you have received. Freely give. That is the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, in ourselves, deserved wrath, shame, dishonor, condemnation. But when the goodness and the loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, 
We give you all the praise, for we were in darkness and you called us into your marvelous light. You drew us to yourself. You redeemed us out of slavery. We no longer live in the slavery of Egypt or the slavery of sin. We live now in fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his kingdom. So, Father, would you teach our hearts? Would you take your word and by the power of your spirit apply it to our hearts that we might receive it? Give us hearts that will learn how to love it, to treasure it, to live it out in practice, in practical ways. Would you continue your patient work at work in each one of our hearts, making us into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ, causing us to grow in maturity, grow in love, and grow in grace. We pray these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.